A Mother's Voice by Lily Low Myers. Should we do it? Should we give it a try? Okay. We are loving in the light of truth. We are loving yeah. in the light because of truth. Mama's just going to give you this in a bit, okay? We so Mama's just going to do this first. Very important. We are loving in the light of truth. We are loving in the light of truth. We are loving. Here's your bunny. We Abby, are Abby. loving. Oh, Here's your book. we are loving in the light of truth. We are loving. We are loving. Yeah. Oh, okay, look, we are just, loving look, in the light still. of truth. Okay. Hi. Is anybody there? God, that's creepy. Sorry. Can you hear me? Hello. Okay, let's get this done before he stops us. If you need to be getting on with something, I shan't take offence. No, Poppin, Mummy just needs to do this, okay? It's really important, so just let Mummy do this, okay? All I can do is hope that you're listening. I don't have any answers, but I'm trying. I'm trying to find a way... for you. What are you up to, then? Playing with your little nipper? Or are they sleeping? If so, thank you for giving me your moment of quiet. I know how precious that is. Here I am. Oh, well, here we are, as my daughter sits at my feet with a cup of tea. I'm the one with the tea, obviously, not my daughter. Just imagine we're here watching you get on with whatever you're up to. Well, not if you're in the bath, my duck. We're not watching you then, that would just be weird. I made some biscuits special. A bite of these and you could almost forget there was a war on. I heard the rich tea biscuit's over 300 years old already. Does it make it another 80 years? Or are you all eating something German by then? Reich tea, perhaps. I might meet you as a baby, perhaps, but I won't be around much longer than that. I guess this is pretty incredible. Transcending time and space. I bought some sugar-free, gluten-free, nut-free, dairy-free cookies for the occasion. They're like the emperor's new clothes of the biscuit world. You have to imagine you're not just eating air. Do you still have biscuits in 2100? Or do you get all your sustenance from little pills? Of course you do. They'll just have designed a little pill to stop you getting fat so you can eat nothing but biscuits, am I right? Ah, oh, it's, it's time. time. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school, on the other side of the ocean. Thousands of you in this country prepared to leave your homes and be separated from your fathers and mothers. You have stolen my dreams, my childhood, with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. All of us children who are still at home think continually of our friends and relations who have gone overseas. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. We know, every one of us, that in the end all will be well. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. For God will care for us and give us victory and peace. We will not let you get away with this. And when peace comes, Remember, it will be for us, the children of today. The world is waking up. To make the world of tomorrow a 
better and happier place. And change is coming, whether you like it or not. Thank you. Why does having a baby make everything feel so far away and yet too scarily close? Surely if it's really as urgent as she says, they'd be doing more. Surely if the scientists are telling the truth, we wouldn't carry on as though anything else matters. Unless it's the mothers of the young who have the most to lose. Those who understand dates like 2050, not as far off years during the sunset of our lives, but as a date when our children may not even be as old as we are now. Tell me everything. God, imagine. Would I even want that? What if you told me our future is doomed? That my little one is to be killed by floods or civil unrest or left with no food or water to survive? What would I do? What could I do? Could I fight harder? Could I give any more of myself to loving them than I do? Would I honour each moment of sleep-deprived closeness, giving myself completely to the days, months, years we have left? Or would knowing the impending loss make the loving and giggling, clutching and grasping, kissing and laughing too painful to bear? Would I turn away from those trusting eyes of wonder to try to hide my fear? Or would I seek to lose myself in their innocence? trying to smother the flames of truth with a suffocating but comforting blanket of denial. I don't know. That's why perhaps it's best that I can't ask. Because once you know, there is no unknowing. And perhaps I want just one more cuddle in the safety of our warm cocoon before throwing open the door to the world but hiding doesn't stop the monster coming to our door. Fourteen years old, and here she is trying to fill the children of an empire with belief in a better tomorrow. Not an easy task when each day seems darker and more uncertain than the last. Is she still alive as you listen? Should have been in a, what, mid-90s by now? Can you explain this madness? The thirst for control and power that means that millions of children are lined up in the streets in their knapsacks with name tags around their necks. Alone and confused, sent away from their families to protect them from bombs falling from the sky. How dare they sit in the safety of their meetings and discuss lives like a game. Each soldier, each civilian, someone's child. Someone's sunshine. Someone's life. Should I send my little one somewhere safer? But surely nowhere is safer than in my arms. Or at least that's so when madness doesn't rule the earth. I wish you could tell me everything to come. But at the same time, I'm terrified. What if you told me our future's doomed? That my little one will be killed in air raids or Nazi invasion? 
left orphaned and alone. What would I do? What could I do? Could I fight harder? Could I give any more of myself to loving them than I do? Would I turn away from those trusting eyes of wonder trying to hide my fear? Or would I seek to lose myself in their innocence, trying to smother the flames of truth with a suffocating but comforting blanket of denial? I don't know, and so perhaps it's best I can't ask. Because once you know, there's no unknowing. And perhaps I just want one more cuddle in the safety of our warm cocoon before throwing open the door to the world. But hiding doesn't stop the monster coming to our door. The fact that you're there must fill me with hope. It means we survive. Humanity isn't lost and mothers keep on birthing and loving. Oh wait, are you the privileged few who had the wealth to move to a distant planet or pay for the food and water, hiding within bubbles that kept out the heat whilst neighbours lay burning in the streets? Did we save the forests? Are animals still crawling, running, leaping, soaring? Are the oceans blue and full of life? Do fish fill the sea and birds navigate the skies? Do ladybirds land on blades of grass? Do spiders climb water pipes? Do rain still fall to wash them out again? And if they fall, does the ground soak up its freshness and give nourishment to sunflowers and oak trees and carrots, ready to be dug out of the dark earth? An orange gold to be steamed or baked or chopped for little mouths to chew and swallow with promises of seeing in the dark. Tell me that we acted in time. That our children had the chance to have children who had children who had you who had your children. And that they'll still get to watch sunsets with a cool summer breeze dancing across their skin. Or the chance to sneak out on muted winter mornings and feel the crunch of their shoes stomping small footprints in white carpets of snow. Tell me they don't hate us for being too foolish, too lazy or naive. That they don't judge us for being selfish or stubborn, for choosing packaged pears over polar bears or fossil fuels over their future. Tell me they forgive us our initial reluctance to give up conveniences or make changes that might impact our bank accounts. That they don't shake their heads when they hear that we went around with business as usual when their business was on the brink of extinction. Tell me that we stood up, that we took to the streets, that we demanded change, that we took action with our bodies, mouths, wallets, votes. That we inspired those most resistant to change to join the tidal wave that acted not for ourselves but found purpose and joy in acting for a future we would never see. No, I want you to tell me the truth, whatever that might be. I had a nightmare last night. I lay in bed as my baby slept, my heart racing. I dreamt of a strange cloud 
bringing with it a darkness never before known to man. The power of a tiny seed, harnessed and accelerated until its strength could no longer be contained. I felt the world had melted. Buildings, trees, but worst of all, people. Melting people searching for loved ones, stumbling through the dust as red fires rage like huge snakes in the dark sky. From under a mountain of rubble I hear a child's voice singing her school's anthem. Singing and singing into the darkness. Sending out her thin, searching voice to reach for help in a way her hands are not free to do. Singing and singing until finally the singing stops. I don't want my child to stop singing. I don't want any child to lose their voice through the barbarity of war. But what can I do? Get on a ferry to Berlin, throw myself in front of the tanks. I have this little one to think of. I feel both the uncontrollable need to do something and an overwhelming frustration that no one can protect my baby like I can. I need to be here, but for them I need to be elsewhere. What can I do? Perhaps someone else will fix it. Perhaps I can leave it all in someone else's hands. Perhaps there's no need to worry about anything as our leaders know what they're doing and other people will act. But if things don't work out and the worst comes about, when I have regrets, when I wish I could go back in time and do something, will I be able to look my child in the eye and say, I hoped someone else was doing enough. I joined the climate crisis protests. For two weeks, we went together, mother and baby, not knowing what we were doing, but dutifully getting the tube into town to add our bodies to the count. Living with intense self-scrutiny, where every nappy thrown away or tap left on too long made me feel guilty, a hypocrite, or somehow unworthy of asking for change. Using my car to drive to a baby class one day, I considered hiding the fact that I'd driven, as though using my car meant that I had no right to ask the government to halt their billions of pounds of subsidies to fossil fuel companies. Every day I saw inspiring humans taking brave, empowering actions. But I returned home exhausted, as though literally carrying the weight of humanity's future on my shoulders. Then the two weeks were over, and it was back to business as usual. I wanted to rail against it, but I was also so relieved. So surprised at how easy it was to fit snugly back into the comfort of small anxieties. Why won't baby nap, eat, get over their cold? The climate crisis sitting like the moon on a sunlit day. There if you look for it, but no longer illuminating everything in its harsh light. 
Before I'd felt like there was nowhere to hide from it. Everything blanched. Normal pleasures parched by its heat. Everyday living cracking like dusty earth as the pram wheels tried to keep one step ahead of the growing chasm. But now the pram felt safe on the tarmac once more. The rain fell and I retreated inside, my world shrinking again to feeding and playing and taking one day at a time, even if it meant heading blindly towards the edge of a cliff. princess says every one of us knows deep down that it will end in victory and peace. Do we then? I wish I could hear you tell me that there are enough people willing to fight for good. But what does that even mean? Enough people willing to kill in an attempt to protect more people from being killed? Is there no other way? I wish you could tell me that someone has a word with Hitler and persuades him to change his mind. Or at least engages with enough people around him that he's reduced to a solitary mad little man holding no power to execute his evil plans. Or failing that, tell me the war ends quickly. That the force for good is strategic and brings down the German army without hurting ordinary civilians. That the rest of the world stands up and unites against the common enemy. Because what is the enemy? It's the evil in human beings that wants to destroy life. For us who have brought life into the world, we know how monstrous that is. Every life lost is someone's child. Every life is precious. I'd want you to tell me we use this time to banish war forever. That we never again drew people as other in an attempt to justify actions against them that we would never wish upon ourselves. I'd want you to tell me that the children of tomorrow, you, never know the horrors of war. No. I'd want you to tell me the truth, whatever that might be. I had a nightmare last night. I lay in bed as my baby slept, my heart racing. I dreamt that the rainforests were burning, that they burned and burned. As they burned, a dark cloud of smoke spread across the earth. The cloud hit the global south first, creeping through windows and smothering families as they slept. And it kept moving and moving. No matter how tight I screwed the doors or blocked the windows, I knew it would soon be here. And sure enough, it found cracks I never knew were there. And as the darkness filled the house, I held my little one tight and sang so that he would not be afraid. And he joined my song. 
the darkness filled the room until there was nothing but darkness and our voices. Darkness and our voices. And then his singing stopped. I don't want my child to ever stop singing. I don't want any child to lose their voice through our destruction of the planet. But what can I do? Take to the streets? Set off to the Amazon? I have this little one to think of. I feel both an uncontrollable need to do something with an overwhelming frustration that no one can protect my baby like I can. I need to be here. But for them, I need to be elsewhere. What can I do? <sighs> Perhaps someone else will fix it. Perhaps I can leave it all in someone else's hands. Perhaps there's no need to worry about anything because leaders know what they're doing and other people will act. But if things don't work out and the worst comes about, won't I have regrets? Won't I wish that I could go back in time and do something? Will I be able to look my child in the eye and say I hoped someone else was doing enough? I step out one morning with the pram and start walking. I walk and walk as though if I walk far enough and fast enough I could walk us into another world. That we could slip between the cracks into a different reality where the constant threat of bombs and defeat doesn't lie heavy in the air, choking us half to death. I strike my feet against the ground, hoping to push us up and away from this damaged earth, cutting through the jitty, leaving houses and people far behind, charging through the bracken, cursing the pram as it snags on roots trees giving way to more trees, not looking back, never looking back. A sound stops me in my tracks and I freeze on high alert. Then the same sound again, a strange gargled noise that shakes me from the inside out. I fall to my knees clutching the pram rail and another sob fights its way out of my body. And then I scream. The silent scream of a mother who wants to tear the world in two, but even in the middle of her anguish won't wake her sleeping child. Two damselflies land on the wheel of the pram. Cobalt blue. Turquoise. They hold on to each other, creating new life in the shape of a heart. I study them, working out where one ends and the other begins. A sense of connection fills my body. I am not powerless. My life is linked to everything else. What I do matters. I make a vow to myself to dare to dream of a better world and to give my life to making that dream a reality. Something magic happens when we make a vow. It's like the universe is waiting for it. I emerge from the woods and find myself passing the gates of Bletchley Park. Things begin to click into place. Busy people stream in and out. 
They walk with a sense of purpose that plants a seed in my mind. The right person at the right time. An old friend hurries by. Perhaps the opportunities were always there, but easily missed amidst the noise of life. But with our vow clear in our minds, the fog clears and we start to see a way forward. I reach out for her arm. One action and then another. A job request and an interview. One step after the next. Papers signed to swear to silence. Just take a step. And soon I'm standing with other women, four on each side of a churning, deciphering brain. The hellhole. Hot, noisy, but God do I feel alive. Hoping in the light of truth, hoping in the light of truth. We are hoping, we are hoping, oh, we are hoping in the light of truth. We are hoping, we are hoping, oh, we are hoping in the light of truth. I sit shoulder to shoulder with over a hundred mothers, little ones at our breasts, barricading the entrance to Google in a non-violent act of civil disobedience. Mothers and babies using our bodies and voices to call to the world's largest tech giant to stop funding climate change deniers. I'm a stickler for the rules. I never thought I'd choose to break the law. But when the laws are destroying my child's future, what choice do I have? Our voices rise up. I will rise up again and again. Three, two, seven. The fight of this crisis is real. 781. The nightmare seeps into our bones. 863. Anything we can do. 241. Has to be done. 662. But somehow, in the middle of all this heartbreak, check the numbers, I found a new role back on my feet. I found a community turn the drums. I found a sense of purpose. Bush the wires. Like a stone dropped in the sea on 98, I'm sending out ripples, 503, that bring change to distant shores, 276. 276. 276. That's the one. I've always found the word hope problematic. On the one side, a, a small passive word. There it clings to the arm of a beige sofa, looking up at me with large, insipid eyes, expectant and dependent, snivelling, I really hope things will change. Here's hoping someone will come along and do something. 
how can the same four letters also mean the strongest force in the world? The power in the human heart that transcends all obstacles and moves mountains. Not a feeling we have despite the challenges ahead, but an internal force we ignite because of the storms we have to face. And when we do, a magical weapon that fills us with courage and joy and changes everything. I know you can love your baby and then love Snickers, but the difference isn't the same. Passive hope isn't a lesser version of the capital letters all in bold wearing a superhero cape hope. It's a different thing altogether. Passive hope hands over the action to someone else and then hides under the sofa. Real hope stands up alone in the face of the darkest night. So please know that when I say I have hope, it's not some timid, head-in-the-sand wishful thinking. It means I'm having to fight daily, that I'm waking up and facing reality and having to dig deeper and ever deeper to manifest from within an unshakable force, the passion and conviction to turn darkness into dawn. And what is dawn? On the edge of darkness, we look into the abyss, the greatest obstacle humanity has ever faced. To survive, we each have a role we can play for our children's children. But what we may not see is the fight, if we choose it, will bring us greater joy than we could possibly imagine. To feel united across all borders to protect our children and their children's world. Living in such a way, elevating our lives to a greater happiness than we yet know. One by one, standing up to join the fight. The life state of humanity rises. A revolution of what it means to be human. Changing us forever. My child's child might be sitting with her child listening to my voice. I don't have any answers, but I'm trying. Trying to find a way. For you. So here I am with my tea. Now cold, mind you, but I'm used to that. And I'm juggling. I'm not literally juggling, but in my mind. Every day I juggle. Maybe I'm spinning those plates, you know. Or perhaps, it's more like walking one of those there tight ropes. I'm a whole bloody circus. But what I'm trying to say is, I'm living a balancing act. Between honouring my baby's present, which is all they know, and lifting my eyes to the future. Taking step after step, holding on to all I love, not knowing where my feet will land, but trusting that even if I stumble, I will bring us all closer to the world I can see in my heart. The holding and rocking, feeding and washing, like turns of the earth from night to day. 
but at the same time somehow that the blind steps following the light of my heart moving us along another trajectory like the earth flying through space as it moves from the sun perhaps you have your own dilemma to fight yourself perhaps you know much better than me how to do it or like me you're doing your best to work it out perhaps mothers are always walking this tightrope honoring the present and protecting the future your child is going to need courage and resilience to face their own challenges ahead. They'll learn that from you. Your power is immense. Know it. Feel it. What you do matters. Life from life. First a heartbeat, then butterflies, perhaps hiccups, then kicks and somersaults. Slowly, bit by bit, strengthening your hold over my body, my heart, my mind. Stomach swelling, my vital organs rearranging themselves around you, making room for you to grow, providing you with all you need. But nothing could prepare me for the way my brain has likewise pushed everything else aside since you left my body and became myself outside of myself. Now I can no longer trust the magic of my body working its mysteries without my conscious input. I marvel at the responsibility of how my mind plays a constant tune. A symphony that no matter what I turn to rings deafeningly in my ear. It follows me into the shower, into my sleep, as I leave you with loved ones to walk around the block, trying to reinstate my own thoughts and feelings, my own choice of melodies, the ones I didn't even know I heard until yours was so deafening that I've forgotten how their tunes go now. When I'm with you, it's just the soundtrack of my movements, a running commentary to let you into my thoughts, to bridge the loneliness that comes from you no longer being in my warmth. But it's when you sleep, when there's a space between us, that I realise how loud it really is. Play them music, I hear them say. Mozart makes them smarter. Or play them the music you listened to when they were in the womb. Or the music you want them to like when they grow up. Play them your favourite song. But the songs I used to love don't seem to touch me in the same way. Or touch me too much. Nothing quite fits now, not just my clothes. Things are too trivial. Or too profound. Or frightening. So much of the world is frightening now. Where I felt invincible, hardened, ready for war, now I find myself vulnerable, hesitant, protecting you with my life. But other wars that before seemed secondary or far away suddenly feel like they're right on my doorstep. I can't risk that someone somewhere is going to save the day. What if they don't have a reason to fight as much as I do now? What if they're only fighting for themselves? Then they will never have the power. Never know the pain of contemplating defeat and what that would mean. Now it's up to the parents, the mothers who make, who bore life from nothing, and screamed, panted, transformed wave after wave of intensity into a journey of life, and now share their brain with a cacophony that they listen to with love, confusion, sometimes frustration, but nonetheless still find a way to carve out conversation, make dinners, change nappies, hold tiny hands, pull silly faces to capture tiny minds, and kiss away tiny tears, finding a new voice, Sometimes a whisper. Sometimes a scream. But together, holding the power to transform the future. Finding their voice. The voice of a mother.
Weren't you some kind of perfect angel? You've been listening to A Mother's Voice, written by Lily Lowe Myers. Thank you so much. Were you listening to Mama? Ishbel was played by Lily Lowe Myers and Margot by Robin Cooper, directed by Tom Wright. Original music composed by Omar Shariar, edited by Craig Busek, with sound design by Christopher Reedy. A Mother's Voice is presented by Hatstand Productions in association with Here First Productions and Carbon Theatre. The project is supported by the National Lottery Community Fund. For more information about Hatstand Productions, head to hatstandproductions.com or follow us on Instagram at hatstandproductions. If you are experiencing anxiety about the climate crisis and would like to learn more about things that you can do or would like someone to talk to, then visit our page for more information at hatstandproductions.com forward slash mother.